As Christians, we must understand that Jesus has been present throughout history, bridging the past, present, and future. We also need to understand that the Lord can bridge the gap between our sinfulness and holiness. God is searching for us. God has been searching for us, and God will find us. We just need to have faith enough to cross that bridge when he does. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time, cycle C of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired word of God. But to really be nourished by the word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time, cycle C. Our first reading is from Isaiah, it's chapter 6, verses 1 and 2a, and verses 3 through 8. Our second reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. It's chapter 15, verses 3 through 8, and verse 11. And our gospel reading is from Luke. It's chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Just a couple things to note. First, we do have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Isaiah is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter to the Corinthians is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our gospel reading. Now, tonight we'll see Isaiah's lips are burning, Paul teaches Christianity 101, and Jesus charters a boat. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Our second reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, 
and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. And our gospel reading is from Luke. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings, and we'll ask ourselves, all right, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around just a little bit? Our first reading was from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and this passage is what biblical scholars refer to as a prophetic call narrative. It's Isaiah's account of how he was chosen to speak God's word to the people. Uh, to, to understand this scene a bit better, it's helpful to know a few things. Um, first, in the religion of Israel, as explained in Scripture, and specifically in Deuteronomy, a prophet was a person designated to speak God's own words. It could be someone who worked miracles like Elijah or Elisha or or someone who performed you know, shocking symbolic public acts or maybe a preacher. But, but being a prophet was also something more than that. A, a prophet was believed to be someone who stood in the presence of God and, and actually heard the deliberations of the council of heaven. And the, the understanding was that the prophet would then report God's decisions and decrees. And these prophecies were usually introduced with the phrase, thus says the Lord. Right? We hear that a lot throughout the Old Testament. Thus says the Lord. Now, in our first reading today, Isaiah is visited in the Jerusalem temple by God and the angelic host. Now, this, this host is made up of beings called seraphim, 
which is a it's a Hebrew word that means something close to uh, burning ones. So if you recall, Isaiah cries, "Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am an, a man of unclean lips." So what does the angelic host do in response? Well, one of the seraphim, one of the one of the burning ones, flies down and touches his lips well, with a the, with a hot coal, cauterizing the wound, I guess. And Isaiah is cleansed by the touch of the seraphim. And after that, then he's fit to stand in the presence of God and the heavenly council. He's, he's fit to hear their deliberations and to, to carry those words back to the people of Israel. Like I said, this was about Isaiah's call to be a prophet of the Lord. Right? He even, even met God face to face. Now, there were lots of special effects, you know, angels singing and doors shaking and all kinds of smoke and whatnot. I mean, you know, no wonder Isaiah was afraid. And then when he thought about all of his, his own faults and failings, then he was terrified. Right? He, he figured he was doomed. But God bridged the gap between sinfulness and holiness. So what, what started out as terror became an invitation, a call. So when God asked, whom shall I send? Uh, Isaiah was very quick to answer, here am I, send me. So the main message I got from our first reading is that the Lord bridges the gap between sinfulness and holiness. I think far too many people turn away from God's call, not, not because they're bad people, but because they think they're unworthy. They know their own faults and failings, and they judge themselves to be unfit to serve the Lord. But what they need to know is that the Lord bridges the gap between sinfulness and holiness. Our second reading was from the the letter to the or the first letter to the Corinthians, and this is it's sort of a recap of the beliefs held by the early Christians, right? So that's my my reference to Saint Paul teaching Christianity one hundred and one. Right? Saint Paul he wants everyone to have a clear understanding of the gospel, right? The good news, the, the, which is the source of our salvation, right? Jesus suffered, died, was buried, and rose from the dead just like the scriptures said would happen. Then Paul rattles off at least a partial list of, of witnesses, including himself, as proof that Jesus really had risen from the dead. Biblical scholars think that the Corinthians at the time, uh, they may have been having a tough time understanding exactly what the resurrection of Jesus meant for them, which is why Paul was hammering home the fact that the heart of the gospel, the core of it, is Jesus's death and resurrection. Now, you might be wondering why this claim about Jesus dying and rising in accordance with the scriptures is so doggone important to Paul. <laughs> well, to be honest, scouring the religious texts of Israel and looking for predictions of Jesus's death and resurrection was one of the main tasks of the earliest Christians. In, in the Gospel of Luke, which was written around 85 AD, the evangelist claims that it was the resurrected Christ himself, before his ascension, of course, who explained to the disciples how the Hebrew scriptures predicted his death and resurrection. 
Even back then, though, over 2,000 years ago, Judaism was already an ancient religion. (laughs) Even the Romans tended to cut them some slack because the religion was so old. And for these earliest Christians, being able to link Jesus to these ancient texts and traditions, well, it allowed them to argue that this wasn't some brand new religion. It was simply a new covenant for a very old faith. So for St. Paul, it seems clear that the gospel isn't just an account of some amazing events in the recent past. It's the fruition of things that had been predicted in writing for a very long time. We just didn't fully understand everything until it was made clear by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So the main message I got from our second reading is that Jesus bridges the past, present, and future. For us today, it's it's easy to see the death and resurrection of Jesus as something that happened in the distant past. But for St. Paul and the people of Corinth, the predictions and prophecies of those same events had been around for centuries. They had sort of occurred in the distant past. What's most important is to understand what the gospel message means for us today. And and it does have meaning and power, even 2,000 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, because Jesus bridges the past, present, and future. And finally, our gospel reading was from Luke. And this is a story with similar versions in Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel, but Luke's telling is a bit different. I'm I'm sure you've heard this reading before, and you've probably heard plenty of homilies about how we're all called to be fishers of men. But let's start by pointing out a few things you might not know. So one difference in Luke's gospel is that this is definitely not the first encounter that Simon has with Jesus. In fact, earlier in Luke, Jesus is staying at Simon's house. So, so this is, is it's not a situation where some unknown dude you know, preaches, seemingly works a miracle, and, oh, they all drop everything and follow him without a second thought. If anything, this was probably the, the culmination of plenty of internal debate for Simon and for the others even. Now, another difference is that in Luke's gospel, Jesus doesn't say, come follow me or anything like that. He doesn't actually call them, not not in the way we normally think of. Jesus doesn't invite them to come along for the ride, and it's, it's definitely not a question. It's a statement. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Now, think back to Simon's reaction right after telling them to cast out their nets again, and holy cow, they caught so many fish that the boat almost sank. Simon didn't say, wow, you're amazing. God must have sent you. No, he he dropped to his knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. That's interesting, don't you think? Does it sound familiar? Do you remember these words? Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. Just like Isaiah, Simon was suddenly aware of his impurity in the presence of God. Instead of being thankful that his nets are full of fish, he's terrified. 
because he's fully aware of his sinfulness. Go away from me, Lord. I think Simon speaks for all of us in a way, at least during those times when we've tried to get closer to God, but then came face to face with our own sinfulness, especially our own willful sin. At times like that, we remember so many of the poor choices we've made, and, and our reaction amounts to what Simon said so simply, go away from me, Lord. The problem with all of it is, is that it, it's nothing more than us placing the burden on ourselves and completely missing the truth. From a biblical perspective, all of human history isn't about us searching for God. It's about God searching for us. We should be able to see that, that, that very clearly in the way Luke presents this story. Because even though Simon begs Jesus to leave, this passage ends with Simon, James, and John leaving everything behind. Jesus found them, and then they followed him. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that the Lord is searching for us, and we will be found. We, we tend to think of ourselves as being in search of God, but the Bible tells us that's not really what's happening. What usually happens is that God finds us, but we tell him to go away because we're sinful and maybe because we're not willing to be like Simon, James, and John. We're, we're not willing to set aside our tasks and follow him. It's something we should think about, though, because the Lord is searching for us and we will be found. All right, so let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Isaiah, the main message I came away with was, the Lord bridges the gap between sinfulness and holiness. In our second reading from Corinthians, the main message I got was, Jesus bridges the past, present, and future. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was, the Lord is searching for us, and we will be found. And we talk a lot about being on a journey of faith, referring to the fact that we need to keep learning and growing. But it's easy to start thinking of that journey as a quest, as a story of our search for God. But that's not really the case at all. In fact, the Bible tells the ongoing story of God searching for us, reaching out for us, calling to us, and then of us turning away, usually out of fear or guilt. As Christians, we need to understand that Jesus has been present through it all, connecting the past, present, and future, and the Lord can bridge the gap between sinfulness and holiness. God is searching for us. God will find us. So we just need to have faith enough to cross that bridge when he does. All right, so let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall, and we'll ask ourselves if our path has become clear. To do this, I'd like to answer two questions. So what and now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because it's not easy being a true disciple of Christ. And it's definitely not easy to leave certain tasks behind in order to follow Jesus when he reaches out to us. 
in all honesty, it's even hard to realize when Jesus is reaching out. I mean, how do we know for sure? How do we discern his call? We should care about this because it's far too easy to let our fear and self-doubt either make the decision for us or make it difficult to figure out exactly what we're being called to do. And so the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do, right? Where do we go from here? Well, when I'm not sure what to do in a given situation, one trick I use is to look at people I admire and ask myself what they would do. I, I can't count how many times I've faced a difficult problem at work and ended up asking myself, what would my dad do? Or, or how many times I've been coaching or counseling someone and I thought, well, what would my mom suggest? So as cheesy and trite as it seems, <laughs> when we're not sure what we're being called to do, maybe we should look to one of our truly important role models, Jesus, and start there. So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. Start asking yourself, what would Jesus do? You know, over the years, I've seen plenty of arrogant, judgmental, just downright mean people wearing those silicone WWJD bracelets, right? Or the, or the reckless driver weaving in and out of traffic, flipping me off as he flies by and sporting that good old, what would Jesus do bumper sticker? Well, here's a hint. He wouldn't be driving like that. But I'm not talking about getting a bracelet or a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. I'm talking about actually pausing to ask yourself the question, to think about the answer, and to at least attempt to model your behavior on the one we claim to follow. Start asking yourself, what would Jesus do? Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're trying to discern what Jesus is calling you to do, be a bit cautious and remember what we read in first letter of John, chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's not easy being a disciple of Christ. And that includes figuring out what we're being called to do. Remember that Jesus is searching for you. But so are some other folks. So let's take this discernment process seriously. And the Lord will eventually show us the way. All right, we've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime... I really do encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. REAL stands for Respect, Engage, Accept, and Lead. For more information on the REAL values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011 by Biblica Inc. 
used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide. <laughs>